Well, it's so good to get to worship together. Thanks, Clark and our team, all volunteers, just leading us uh, so strongly this morning. Thank you guys for, for leading us, for their hearts, for their gifts, but, but ultimately for living out their purpose and serving Christ, and uh, we're grateful. Hey, uh, as we uh, look ahead to the next week, um, Lisa and I are excited. Next weekend, we're headed to that state up, you know, up north. Uh, well, that's be, I don't like to say it out loud, uh, but we're from Michigan originally, and yeah, uh, we had to come come down to Ohio, and uh, we've been here the good part of our lives, though, honestly, now. But uh, we're going up because uh, it's my 30-year high school class reunion. Like, whoa, yeah, dang, that means I'm getting old. And, and inevitably... You know, we're going to have some conversations. We're going to get to the venue, and we're going to walk in, and I don't know, we'll probably have to put name tags on because everybody's going to look different because it's been a lot of years. And, and of course, then you're going to start interacting with people that you haven't seen in a long time, or maybe you've only caught up with them a little bit here and there on social media or something. And of course, you know, the questions are going to come, oh, where are you guys living? And, and what do you, oh, so tell us, what, what do you do for a living? And I'm going to say, I'm a pastor. And, uh, yeah, and I live in Ohio. Now, growing up throughout my school years, I wasn't like a terrible kid, real bad kid, but I tell you what, I was kind of an idiot. (laughs) Well, especially like junior high into high school, I was just going through so much, trying to figure everything out, just like every other teenager. But, man, I I was longing for attention, uh, I, was, I just wanted to be the center of everything. I was loudmouthed. I was obnoxious. Uh, I was trying to be everything to everybody, to fit in everywhere because I didn't have a relationship with God. And if you were to ask the people that I go to school with, well, what do you think Todd Nielsen was going to do? What, what do you think Todd's going to become? They might have thought, oh, maybe he'll be a teacher because I loved loved working with kids, or they might have thought, oh, certainly, Todd Nielsen, he's going to be a jazz saxophone player, because I played saxophone, and I love jazz music, and, but I'm pretty certain <laughs> nobody, including the guy standing on the stage right now, would have thought Todd Nielsen would be a pastor someday. It's a fact that, one, it shows God's sense of humor, <laughs> But it also says something about how gracious and merciful God is to use some of the most unlikely people in his world. And this weekend, as we step back into the book of Acts, we're going to come across another character that honestly I think nobody thought would ever become a spokesperson for Jesus. We're in Acts chapter 13 and we've been journeying chapter by chapter following the the movement of the early church as more and more people were putting their faith in Jesus and it was changing their lives and they were sharing that with other people's lives as well. And as we've walked through each chapter, we've seen the the, the promise from Acts chapter 1 verse 8 really coming to fruition. This promise that was made that that you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. And chapter by chapter, we've seen the gospel, the good news of Jesus, go to these different cities and these different regions, and yet the promise wasn't just for there. The promise was to the ends of the earth that people would know who Jesus is and all that he's done. And I'm pretty sure that those early believers and the first disciples that, that even heard this promise, they, they may have believed that Jesus was going to do this, and they knew that they might play a part in that. But I don't think they could have ever guessed some of the unlikely characters and individuals that God would use to fulfill his purposes in this world. And one of those people was someone that really the early believers considered as an arch enemy. His name was Saul. We read about him in the book of Acts. In fact, in Acts chapter 7, it's Saul that's holding the coats of those that are picking up rocks to stone Stephen to his death. In Acts chapter 8, Saul approves of his execution and he begins to just ravage the church. And then we come to Acts chapter 9, and Saul, he's on his way to ravage the church in Damascus, but God had other plans for Saul's life. In fact, Saul has a radical encounter with the living Christ, and it changes the complete trajectory of his life. And Saul moves from being one of the most antagonistic people towards the good news of Jesus to becoming one of the greatest mouthpieces for the gospel of Jesus to a world. Acts chapter 13 is where we find that, and we find that God had a purpose for Saul. And, and, and that purpose was enunciated. In fact, in chapter 9, uh, the Lord speaks to Ananias, another character in the early church, and he says these words, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And Ananias probably would have been like, really? Saul? Like he's your chosen instrument? That guy that's been persecuting us? That guy that has had Christians murdered for their faith? But again, it shows that God had a greater purpose for Saul's life. And Saul embraced that purpose. And this is important for all of us to catch because God has a purpose for your life and for my life. But the question is, have we embraced that purpose? Well, Paul, who, who, who was Saul, in fact, in, thir in chapter 13, he's only called Paul from that point on, had such a radical change and he embraced God's purpose for his life. And we know that because of some of the other letters that the apostle Paul wrote. In fact, look how he writes and begins his letter to the Romans. In Romans chapter 1, verse 1, he says, This letter is from me, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle, sent out to preach the good news. Paul embraced his purpose. He understood that God had put his hand on him, that God had chosen him to be an apostle. And I love what he says at the beginning of his letter to the Galatians. He says, even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. 
Even when Paul didn't think much about Jesus, Jesus was thinking much about him. And looking back in his life, now he can, he, he's saying, wow, even when I was going the complete wrong way, God chose me and had a plan for my life. He goes on, he says, and then it pleased him to reveal his son to me. Why? So that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Paul knew that God had a purpose for his life, and he embraced that purpose. And when we come to Acts chapter 13, we finally get to see the Apostle Paul beginning to live out this purpose. It's a record of his first missionary journey. And that's where we want to kind of set the stage. It's Acts chapter 13, verse 1, if you want to follow along in your Bibles or on your smartphone or on the screens, we'll put the verses there as well. And this is what it says, Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch, there, of Syria, there was Barnabas, there was Simeon, called the black man, there was Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod uh, Antipas, and Saul. So Saul is one of the guys that's gathered there uh, in the church and with some other leaders. And then it goes on to say, And one day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, they were praying and singing praises to God and leaning into the truth of Scripture, just like we do every single weekend here. And it says, and they were fasting. They were giving up something in order to lean into God in dependence all the more. And it says, as they were worshiping and as they were fasting, it says the Holy Spirit spoke to them. It was like they all had this same sense in this moment. And what was the Spirit saying to these people that were gathered? Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. It's like the church heard the Spirit calling Paul and Barnabas to be sent out. Now, this would have been a difficult thing because the, the church at Antioch, they were growing and they were thriving and they had gotten used to having Paul with them and his teaching and his wisdom and they had been accustomed to having Barnabas come alongside them. He was such an encourager who helped build up their faith and I'm sure that the church there was going, no, no, we don't want them to go. <laughs> Keep them here. God's using them here. But it's a reminder to us that God's purposes in this world are His purposes. And therefore, the world. Therefore, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and Sandusky and Port Clinton and Norwalk and far beyond. And God is sending people out. You know, just this uh, yesterday, 2.30 in the morning, there was a, 21 people gathered out in a parking lot in the dark under the lights and they were prayed for and they were sent out. And this week we have a team serving in Mexico and we have a team serving in Burundi. Because the mission of the church hasn't changed. It's still to go to the ends of the earth. It's still to tell people about Jesus everywhere. And what was happening in the book of Acts is still happening today. And it says next that the after more fasting and prayer, the men, they laid their hands on them and they sent them out. They affirmed what God was calling them to do, just like we've sent people out. You know, a few years back, the chapel partnered with a little Baptist church out in Port Clinton. 
and they became a chapel campus, and Pastor Ryan Mortar, our campus pastor there, was an instrumental part of that process, and, and it's, a, it's amazing to see. what if, if you've not been out to the Port Clinton campus, you need to go out and check it out and just meet some people out there and, and, and see what God's doing. And a couple months ago, Ryan came to Pastor Eric and I, and he said, guys, I feel like God's tugging on our hearts. And he, and he said, my uncle oversees a, a small group of churches up in Michigan, his hometown. And uh, my uncle told me about this church that really needs a pastor. And he said, well, would you guys be interested? And he said, well, I, I hope you can find somebody because I love what God's doing right where we're at. And yet Ryan and Alyssa, they've approached life the way that all of us should approach life, which is to say, well, God, we're just open. I mean, if, if, like, if you really, really want to lead us, we'll follow you wherever you go. But he said, man, there's going to have to be a whole lot of things that happen, and, and God's going to have to make it so very clear if that's really where he wants us to go. And then over the next month or two, God just continued to make it more and more clear, and we were in the journey with them and praying with them and praying for them. And at the end of August, Pastor Ryan and Alyssa and their sweet young family, they're leaving our Port Clinton campus. And it's hard. He's loved. And yet I can remember when, when he came back from visiting the church, and he, his heart was just broken. He said, Todd, they've been without a pastor for two years. And he said, somebody's got to go. And man... Eric and I, we felt, we felt it. We felt his heart. We felt this calling. And, and so we said, okay, we're with you. We're behind you. And we'll get things figured out here. But God's, he's calling you to go. That's what it means to, to be faithful, to, to just follow Jesus, even when it's not real easy. And this is how God called Paul and Barnabas. And it wasn't easy for the church at Antioch. And yet they said, Go. Because the mission, it's bigger than us. It's bigger than the chapel. It's bigger than Sandusky. It's to the ends of the earth. And God has a purpose for your life and for my life. And first and foremost, that purpose is to know and experience God's love for you. And God's purpose for your life and my life, it's one and the same. It's to, it's to love God back and then to love people. This is our purpose. When, when I'm talking to Carter, our 15-year-old son who's a teenager trying to figure out life, and when he's feeling down, I'm like, what's, well, what's my purpose? I'm like, Carter, it's simple. And it's my purpose. And it's your purpose. And it's your mom's purpose. And it's, it's your friend's purpose. It's to love God and to love people. And this is like the purpose of all purposes. And there, there might be other things that God calls us to do, but at the core, if we don't get this right, if we don't discover the very core of our being, what we were made for, to know God and to love Him and to love people, then we'll never find fulfillment in our job or career or in our relationships. And, and the question is, even if you know what God's purpose is for your life, have you embraced it? Because Paul and Barnabas, they stepped in. They said, okay, God, we're in. 
And I can't imagine how exciting it was then as we come to Acts chapter 13 and they get sent off. And it's like, okay, let's go. And they first head to Cyprus. And Cyprus was a little island. It was the hometown of Barnabas. So I'm sure Barnabas is like, yeah, we're going back to my hometown. Like people that I knew, people that I grew up with. And now I'm going to get to share Jesus with them. Isn't this going to be awesome, Paul? And they're probably all excited. And they get there. And they start sharing. And it's met with nothing but just indifference. Nobody's interested. There's no movement. It's like, man, did we mishear God? Is this what we're really supposed to be doing? Is this where we were really supposed to go? Have you ever been there? Like you, you took a step into what you thought God was calling you to, a purpose in your life, and yet, man, it doesn't seem like it's going real well. Now, before, before they leave Cyprus, uh, they, they do get one, one person that responds to Jesus. He was a proconsul named Sergius Paulus. And not after, of course, I mean, they went head to toe with a, a magician of the day that was trying to get in the way of what God was, do, was doing. And they rebuked this magician named Bar-Jesus, and he ends up blind and this proconsul, he sees this and it brings him to faith. And so in that little town, in Barnabas's one town, for all their effort and all their work on their first missionary journey, they got one person. But it's a reminder that one is worth it. One is worth it. You are worth it. The person sitting next to you, they are worth it. That family member that you've been praying for, they are worth it. That person that works in the cubicle next to you, they are worth it. That person that works down the line from you at the shop, they are worth it. If it's for one person or 10,000, it's worth it to love God and to love people and to share Jesus. And so things aren't going that great yet for Paul and Barnabas. And so they leave Cyprus with with one person having put their faith, and now they move to Asia Minor, Minor, which is really kind of home base for where Paul grew up. And so Paul's probably now excited. Well, certainly, we're going to have a better response, a better turnout in my hometown. People that I journeyed with, went to school with, um, you know, they're going to come to faith. I'm going to have some, some influence there. And they get there, and we don't know a whole lot, but it must not have been going too well because another guy that had gone with them on this missionary journey named John Mark, it's in Asia Minor that he says, you know what, I'm out of here. And he bails. And so their team is getting whittled down They've got one person that's come to faith, and they're discouraged. And yet, Paul and Barnabas, they stay the course, which is, a, is so important for us to remember, that when, when you discover God's purpose for your life and you embrace that purpose, even when it's hard, stay the course. And that's what Paul and Barnabas did. And next they move on to this place called Pisidian Antioch. And here, the gospel, it, it starts to get some traction. And Paul and Barnabas, they, they go into the town, and the only place they knew to go was the synagogue. It was where religious people gathered. 
But religious people that didn't believe in Jesus. They believed in the God of the Old Testament, but they didn't believe in Jesus as Messiah. They didn't believe in the resurrection of Christ. And so Paul and Barnabas, they go in and they just sit in the synagogue, just like you came into church this weekend. They just came in, sat down with everybody else, and they just started listening. And some of the religious leaders saw them there. They must have heard things. They knew that you know, they were teachers and that they were proclaiming about this Jesus. And it's like they passed a note to Paul and Barnabas and they said, do you have any word of encouragement to share with the people? And can you imagine if you're Paul and Barnabas, you're like, holy smokes. Can you, be- I mean, like, they've just teed it up for us. Like, all we got to do is take a swing. Like, the, they've just invited us to speak and to, to, to share our faith. This is what we've been planning for. This is what we've been dreaming about. And so they start to share and they talk about the God of creation. And they talk about the resurrection of Jesus. And in, in verse 38 and 39, I love this. Paul and Barnabas, they're proclaiming to this group of religious people that have been following the law to try to get their way to God. And he says, brothers, listen, we're here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness of your sins. Now listen to what he says next. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight something that the law of Moses could never do. All the people gathered there in the synagogue, that was their whole life, following the law, trying to get their way to God, trying to keep it all together, act the part, keep your life clean, do what's right. And yet they all knew They were imperfect, just like all of us here today. And and they also knew Paul, and they knew that he had grown up. I mean, this guy, he knew the law and followed it to a T. And now this man that used to follow all the rules is telling us, you'll never get to God by the rules. You'll never be made right with God by the rules. And he says, it's only through Jesus that you can find forgiveness for your sins. This was was grace unknown to this gathering of people. And there were Jews in the synagogue that day that put their faith in Jesus and other Gentiles that believed. And and the the buzz was so strong and they, they were so moved, they invited Paul and Barnabas to come back the following week for the Sabbath to speak yet again. And we come to verse 44 and it says, the following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. Can you imagine Paul and Barnabas like, holy smokes, everybody's here. And so they continue to preach and they continue to proclaim the love of God through Jesus. But in verse 45 it says, but when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. And so what did they do? They they started slandering Paul. They started telling lies about him, and they argued against whatever he said, almost just arguing for arguing's sake, out of jealousy. And it's a reminder to us that even when we discover our purpose and we embrace that purpose and we start to live on purpose, we'll get pushback. But remember, Paul and Barnabas, they stayed the course, and verse 46 says, And they spoke out even more boldly. They used the pushback to 
to push them forward. They didn't give up. They stayed the course. It, it was almost like feeling the pushback gave them more strength. They're like, we're, we're not going to give up. We're going to go even harder, stronger, faster with God's power and grace. But then in verse 50, it says, Then the Jews, they stirred up an influential group of religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas. I mean, things are getting violent, and they're, they're getting people together with clubs and, and sticks and rocks, and they're coming after them, and they're chasing them out of their town. But I love what verse 51 and 52 says, And so Paul and Barnabas, they shook the dust from their feet, which was a, a sign of rejection. They said, okay, if you, if you don't want it, if you won't have us, have it your way. And it says, and they went on to the town of Iconium. And you know what they did when they got to Iconium? <laughs> they just started talking about Jesus more. Because they couldn't help themselves. They discovered their purpose. To love God and to love people. And the only way they knew to love people was to share Jesus with those people. And it says, and the believers were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. They just got chased out of town by a mob running for their lives, and yet they're filled with joy, joy in their hearts. And I think the reason that Paul and Barnabas could have that kind of joy was because they knew their purpose. They embraced that purpose. They stayed the course. They spoke boldly. They lived boldly. And there's nothing like knowing that you're doing what God wants you to do. That's where joy comes from. And so I want to ask you today, have you embraced God's purpose for your life? Do you know how much He loves you? How the God of the universe wants an everyday real relationship with you? That this God who loves you, loves you so much that he would sacrifice his only son to pay for your sins and mine so that we could be forgiven. So that we don't have to follow a rule book to try to work our way to God. But through God's grace and the gift of his son Jesus, by believing in him, we can experience forgiveness and be freed to live our purpose. Have you embraced that purpose? Because if you haven't, you're missing out on the life that is truly life. And for the rest of us that have stepped into that purpose, I want to encourage you to follow the example of Paul and Barnabas. Stay the course. Stay the course. Keep being faithful. Keep following. Keep serving. Keep giving. Keep loving. Keep reaching. And live boldly, live boldly, speak boldly, and finally, find your joy in the Lord, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, this weekend, we'll head up to Michigan, 
And there's some people up there, we know that, don't we, that they need Jesus. I mean, why do you think Pastor Ryan's going up there? I mean, but I'm going to come into contact with old high school classmates, and they're going to say, so what are you doing? Where are you at? I'm going to say, I'm in Sandusky, and they're going to say, Cedar Point. And I'm going to say, no, the chapel. It's this amazing place where there's people that keep coming back. And they're moving closer and closer to Jesus. And we get to be a part of that. And it's changing their lives and it's, it's changing our lives. And I've discovered a greater purpose in my life than being a jazz musician or a teacher or a wrestling coach. I found my purpose in being known by the creator of the universe and being loved by him. And getting to share that love with other people. And I'm praying that there will just be even one. One person. That I can say, and God has a purpose for your life too. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your love and your mercy. God, thank you for using some of the most unlikely. That included Saul. That includes me. That includes all of us. Because if it wasn't for your grace, we'd just keep going our own way, doing our own thing, and we'd be missing the purpose for which you have created us. You've called us out. You've chosen us. You've set us apart, and you want to send us out into the world this week to love you, to love people, and to speak boldly about who you are and all that you've done. Give us courage. Give us determination. And God, would you help us to reach just one? In Christ's name, amen. Hey, thanks.